Bridge Church, we're glad you're here with us this morning, in person or online. We are going to worship the Lord this morning. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen.
count on one thing The same God that never fails Will not fail me now You won't fail me now In the waiting The same God that's never late Is working all things out You're working all things out Yes, I
can't control what tomorrow will bring. But I know here in the middle is the place where you promised to be. It's not enough unless you
all, would you lift your hands and sing this with me? I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Cause all I want is all you are. Will you meet me here again? Come on, let your pride break down. We sing this to our God, the King of Kings. Cause I'm not enough unless you come. Will you of you believe that the Lord is in this place today with us right here? Amen. I believe that. You know, this morning as we were singing, I was reminded of Psalm 46, where the psalmist says that the Lord is my strength, he's my refuge, and he is my ever-present, my ever-present help in times of need. I was thinking about that this morning and how cool it is to think that God is a help in time of need. I mean, that's great news just alone to know that he's a help in our times of need, but to know that he's ever present, that he's not just going to help us, but he's going to be with us. He's going to walk with us no matter what we might be facing individually in each one of our lives. It's a beautiful thing to know that God is with us. He's ever present. You know, there's some things in life that in order for us to understand them, we have to first experience them. Like the first time you ever go to the Grand Canyon. I could tell you about it, but when you see it with your own eyes, it's a whole new experience. There's nothing like walking through situations in our life where we feel like it's impossible, we feel like we're alone, only to discover that all the while God was with us. He was ever-present, and he wants to help us. I don't know what you might be walking through today individually in your life. Maybe you're walking through an impossible, difficult, strenuous situation. Maybe you came here today feeling alone or hopeless. I just want to invite you right now to press in and know that our God is an ever-present help in times of need. He's with us. He surrounds us, and he goes before us. So right now, can you just invite him in? Let's just take a moment one more time to open our lives to him. Let him come in and be present and get involved in our situation. Father, we thank you today that we can look to you as the author and the finisher of our faith. God, we know that whatever we might be walking through in each one of our lives, we do not walk through it 
alone, for you are with us, our ever-present help in times of need. God, for the one who have walked in here today feeling weak, I pray that you would strengthen them and encourage them today. For the one who feels alone in this place today, that they would know your presence in a new way, in a fresh way, and in a strong way, reminding them that you are with them even to the very end of the age. God, as we've gathered here today, Lord Jesus, there are so many different people, so many different things that are represented. But right now, we just lay all of those things down at your feet, and we declare your goodness, your greatness in our lives. We declare that our faith and our hope and our trust is in you because we know that you are with us. We are victorious because of what Jesus has done for us. We stand in that today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, would you join me this morning? Let's just give praise to our God thank him for who he is. Amen. Anybody happy to be in the house of God this morning? Awesome. It's going to be a great day. I know that it's rainy outside, but you guys look sunny this morning like you're expecting great things. I know I'm expecting God to do good things and speak to us today. Listen, we're going to change the order of service here in just a moment, but I just want to let everybody know if you are here in the room with your family, we welcome you. If you would like to join us in the family room right now or anytime throughout our service, if you have your kids and your family here in the room, just know they are welcome to stay here with you. But if you'd like to take them to the family room, it is open for you right now. Again, we are so thrilled that you are here. If you're watching online, welcome. Thank you so much for making your house God's house. It's going to be an awesome day. Why don't you turn around and just say, hey, give somebody a wave. Let them know that you see them this morning, that you're happy they're here, and then you can find your seat. Good morning again, Bridge family. We're so happy to be in church with you today. Fall is here, and we're gearing up for the holiday season here at the Bridge. And even though this year has been so much different than previous years, we're so excited to spend the weeks ahead with you and your family and enjoy all that this season has to offer. Here's a look at what's coming up in church life. What's up, Bridge Youth? Hey, don't miss youth this Wednesday night. We've got hangs at 6 o'clock and service at 7 o'clock. Hey, because of the weather and the time change, we're moving back indoors. It's going to be an awesome night. we got games. we have a new series, worship, all that. Don't miss it. Invite a friend. We'll see you there this Wednesday night. Hangs at 6 and service at 7. Thanksgiving is right around the corner, and we have a great opportunity this year to provide Thanksgiving meals for families who are in need of assistance. Our community care program will distribute Thanksgiving meal bags on Sunday, November 22nd, so if you would like to participate in purchasing a meal bag, just stop by the community care table in the foyer after this service and grab a shopping list. Then simply purchase those items, bring them to church with you next Sunday, leave them at the rear bumper of your vehicle, and our team will come around and collect them during service. If you have any questions, our team will be happy to give you details at the table. If you're watching online and would like to participate, you can find the Thanksgiving shopping list on the Bridge app or the community care page of our website. Just purchase those items and you can drop them off this Wednesday in the back of our church building between 5.30 p.m. and 7.30 p.m. Thanks so much for your generosity and willingness to give. Together we will bless many families this Thanksgiving. If you haven't heard yet, Bridge Kids is reopening on Sunday, November 22nd. Our first step 
is to reopen for the 11.30 service only. Now this will help us to ensure that we have the teams we need in place to serve your kids well. So, to help everyone be prepared to know what to expect, we sent an email this past week with guidelines to all families. Be sure to check your email or you can go to the Bridge Kids page of our website or the Bridge Kids Facebook page and find all the details. We are excited about serving your kids and helping them grow in their relationship with God and with other kids. And we believe God has great things in store for them in the days ahead. If you're new to the church, we want to help you find your place and get connected. We invite you to go to our website or the Bridge app and click on the Connect tab. There you'll find a Connect card with details to help you get connected. If you don't yet have the Bridge app, just text the keywords, the Bridge Church app, to 77977. This is the best way to stay updated with everything happening in church life. Thanks again for being in church today. We love spending Sundays with you. And before we get into God's word, we want to take a moment and honor the amazing veterans who have served our country. Thank you so much for your service. Before we move on further into our service, we do want to take this moment and we want to honor all of our veterans, those watching at home, those in the building. And if you're at home, if you're a veteran, do us a favor, just stand to your feet and maybe your own family can honor you right there. All the veterans in the house, would you stand and remain standing for a moment? We want to say thank you today. Before, you, before you're seated, I know most of you are a little bit bashful. Uh, you've already put your stuff on the line, so it's like my day's over. Let me just tell you today, there, there was a part of what we said or what we read a moment ago that says we don't ever want to take you for granted. 
in this great nation in which we live, we know you are our heroes, and we will never, ever take you for granted. God bless you today. You can be seated. And we've still got people in our church who are still serving. Uh, I don't know, is anybody in here still serving today? Any, any of our current serving people here? We've got several. If so, God bless you. We appreciate what you're doing for us right now. Well, hey, so glad you're here in church today. Glad you've joined us online. This is God's day, and the weather is a little bit crazy outside, but it's wonderful here in God's presence on the inside. we got some special things planned today, and I promise you, if you're online or if you're here in the building, God's going to speak to you today. We've got a very special gift uh, from God here today, and I mean that sincerely. We've already talked a little bit about the message and what we're going to hear. Uh, this guy is a gift in my life. 43 years ago, Jim King and I first met. We became friends, and through the years, our friendship has grown, and today, he's someone that speaks into my life, someone I love and honor. He's old, but that's okay. Uh, we, we get used to that. It comes with the gray hair. Some of us had to choose between gray and otherwise, and I chose otherwise. Uh, but Jim King is a great friend. He and his wife, Pam, dear, dear friends, have been for many years. And he's got a word from God for this church today. So if you would, there at home here in the building, put your hands together. Let's welcome Jim King. I think you can already tell you don't want to get me and your pastor started. Good morning. This is a great day, isn't it? How many of you believe you're going to hear something from the Lord? Not from me. Not from me, from the Lord. In a few minutes, I'm going to read a passage of Scripture. Not yet. In a few minutes, I'm going to read a passage of Scripture. It's a story from the Gospels where Jesus had a message for Simon Peter and some of the other disciples. But that message to them was sandwiched around a broader message. I was sitting there just a moment ago. I hadn't planned to say this now, but sitting there just a moment ago, and I thought, I'm going to encourage you with this. The Bible tells us that Jesus taught the crowds, and he often taught in parables. And when they would get alone, then he would talk to his disciples, those that were close to him, and he would have a different message. He would explain it further. In other words, he had a message for the crowd, and then for those who were in relationship with him, he had a different private message. When you come to church, you're going to hear a corporate public message, but I believe the God you serve has a private message just for you. How many of you believe God can take something that might be corporate and somehow find a way to speak it right to your heart to meet a need in your life? How many of you believe that's the kind of God that you serve? Would you expect that with me today? Uh, Pastor Gary asked me what I was going to speak on. I said something totally different than what I thought I was going to speak on. In fact, I was sending Travis my notes the other day and, and getting ready to, and the Lord just said, stop. And so what I'm going to share with you is a very simple concept, but I just believe there's somebody today, God has a special word for you. You know, Pastor Zach exhorted us beautifully about the presence of God. One of the names of God is Jehovah Shammah, which simply means the God who is there. That wherever you are, he's there. Where is there? Wherever you are, he's there. When you're at church, he's there. But when you get in your car, he's there. When you go to work, he is there. How many of you are glad you serve a God that is very present all the time in your life? 24-7, 365 days a year. Let's give him one more praise this morning. I won't ask you to stand, but just thank him that he's going to speak to us today. In fact, pause and pray with me and say this. Say, Heavenly Father, I receive your word today. Speak your special word to me that you want me to hear. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Before we look to Scripture, I want to take just two or three minutes and say a very heartfelt from, uh, thank you from my wife Pam and I. My wife's with me today here by Pastor Ann. And uh, we've been here uh, numerous times. We feel at home here. But we want to say thank you to this church for being such a generous church. As Pastor Gary mentioned, we've known each other a long time. He didn't tell you that I was only three years old when we met 43 years ago. But there's nobody in this world that I respect anymore, and I say this sincerely. These are people of integrity. They're people of character. And that is the number one attribute of anybody who wants to serve God. He's a man of wisdom. I glean wisdom from him. He's about 20 years older than me. He's had a lot of life experience that I've not had, and I know I can call him at any time and receive from him, and I'm grateful for your friendship. Thank you for entrusting this opportunity to me. But one characteristic of them and this church is that you are very generous people. When you read about the book of Acts or the book of Acts and the beginning of the church, one of the characteristics was they were people who were generous in the early days. And generosity is an attitude of the heart. And probably unbeknownst to many of you, this church every month uh, is generous in your giving toward various uh, missions and ministry organizations around the world. And we happen to be one of those, and we're so very grateful to you. Uh, out of your regular giving, places that you touch around the world, they are many. And thank you for your support. <clears throat> Some of the things that uh, you have a little part in, you may not know about, is an orphanage we have in uh, Kohovka, Ukraine. They're going to throw a few pictures up. Uh, this is the building uh, that we have the orphanage in. It's called House of Joy Orphanage. And uh, we started this 15 years ago. The government came to us and asked us to do it. They said we don't have any money, but we have a lot of uh, homeless children living in the streets. And so for 15 years that has existed. Over the last year, Ukraine has changed their laws, and we now uh, are having to turn it into something different. It's still for orphans, but it's called a processing center where we receive kids that are either taken from their parents due to abuse, perhaps orphaned, whatever the case may be. In fact, in the last two weeks, we've received 27 new kids. 25 of them are between the ages of three and eight. So you can imagine what that does to a staff. Uh, some of the pictures here, let's show them those uh, pictures, guys. Here's three little brothers that we just got, ages three, four, and five. Uh, I won't take time to tell you some of their stories. They're a little bit sad and heartbreaking, but I'm not trying to pull on heartstrings. I'm trying to say thank you for helping us on a daily basis meet some of the needs of these kids. A little girl that uh, we just got in, we have an isolation uh, section of the building. We have a nurse and uh, she came in sick, and they were waiting to make sure she didn't have COVID, and that's her. So thank you for helping us touch these kids on a daily basis. Uh, some of you have been to Israel with us. I don't know if anybody's here in this service, but been to Israel with us, and you know that we do work there as well. 20% uh, of Israel speaks Russian, and that's how this got started, was through our contacts in the former Soviet Union uh, and in, into Israel. One of the things we do is we work with the military. And this is a picture of some of the guys that catch most of the terrorists you might read about in the news. This is a Krav Maga unit, and we do work with them that I won't go into detail about. And the next picture is me on a recently built military base in Israel. The reason I show you that picture, <clears throat> that sign in Hebrew says, now this is a military base in Israel. It says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. That's what you see when you drive onto that military base. A lot of the stuff you get in the news is slanted, and I'm, uh, I don't mind saying that because Jesus didn't come just for, you know, one group of people. He died for Jews, Arabs, all alike. Some of those guys in that picture, they're not Jews, they're Arabs. 
Uh, they work together because they don't want terrorism uh, in their land. And it's a long story about how the Lord uh, opened that door for us. Some people say, why do you do it? I do believe those who bless Israel, God said in his word, he will bless them. And you have part in that through our Bible school program, et cetera, there. So may the Lord bless you. Thank you from the depths of our heart. If you have your Bible with you this morning, let's look into the word of the Lord. Two places I want to direct your attention to. And I want you to uh, just, if you would, give me a couple of minutes to set the stage of this. Uh, Numbers chapter number 13 and Luke chapter number 5. Numbers chapter 13, Luke chapter number 5. There are a handful of words in the English language that can change, alter the course of either a sentence, a conversation, or a circumstance. I want to speak to you about one of those words today in our English language language. It's used many times in the Bible. It's a single word that changed entire situations. The title of my message is simply that one word, nevertheless. I want to ask you to speak, take a moment with me, and we're going to read these verses of Scripture. And as we look at these verses of Scripture, the story around it. I don't know about you, but I love good stories. If you don't read the Bible, you're missing out. There's some great stories. People love stories. That's why Netflix is worth billions of dollars. People love stories. Most of them aren't true, but they're stories. How many of you are glad for the true ones you have in the Word of God? We know they happen. These are not myths. This is not mythology. This is the living, unchangeable Word of God. And the story of the exodus of the people of God coming out of Egyptian bondage for over 400 years, and many of you know the story. If you're, you're new in your faith, maybe you haven't read the stories, I wouldn't recommend you start reading in the Old Testament, but these stories are there. And at some point you'll read them and understand that they are true. And this happened a long time ago, but it actually happened when God's people had been taken into Egypt through a series of events. And for over 400 years, they were in cap- uh, in, uh, captured and in slavery. And so after over 400 years of slavery, he sends Moses to lead them out of Egypt to a land that he promised them. All they have is the promise of God. God says, I'm going to take you to a new land, a beautiful place. And the story is 10 miraculous things happen, signs, wonders, and events. Pharaoh eventually lets them go. They come to the Red Sea. The Red Sea parts in front of them. They walk across on dry ground. They turn and look at the army chasing them. And as they get into the seabed, the water comes back and drowns the entirety of the Egyptian army. They saw the miraculous hand of God at work. And then he leads them to this land called the land of promise, the land of Canaan. Moses sends 12 spies in. And that's where we pick up the story. They go in to look out the land to see what is there. And Perhaps the mistake Moses made was he sent 12 men in. He sent a committee. And we all know it's hard to get a committee to agree on anything. Somebody said a camel is nothing but a horse after a committee got done with it. And they go in and they look and they come back with this wonderful report. And that's where we pick it up in Numbers chapter 13, verse 27. They came and they told Moses, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. They even brought back evidence. It's exactly like you said it would be. In other words, it's exactly like God said it would be. Nevertheless, everybody say that word. (laughs) Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. 
The cities are fortified and very large, and moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there simply. We saw these tall people, these giants there. They said it's exactly like God said it would be, but nevertheless, here we see a nevertheless experience, a nevertheless moment change something from positive into negative just like that. What the problem was, they were saying, we saw, but we can't. We saw, but we can't. It changed a total miracle into something that was, ended up being destructive for them because they could not believe the promise of God. They witnessed God's promises, promises but they could not trust him for his provision and their protection. Nevertheless, turned a positive to a negative. Now, I want us to reverse that for a quick moment, and here's where I want to focus this morning. That same word has the power to turn a negative into a positive. How many of you believe God can turn your circumstance on a dime just like that? But it might be determined by your nevertheless response, and we're going to pick this up here in the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke. This is what I referenced earlier where Jesus had a private message after he spoke to the big crowd. What we see here is the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, and he has just spoken to a large crowd. And he's on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, and there's these fishermen there. Uh, among them were Peter and also two brothers named James and John. The story tells us that they had fished all night long, and they had caught nothing. And as the crowd pressed upon Jesus, these men who'd fished all night were cleaning their nets out, and they were getting ready to go home and have a Big old breakfast, some red-eye gravy and biscuits like we have in Texas. They were ready for breakfast. They're not thinking about fishing any longer. They fished all night and caught nothing, and Jesus is on the shore, and I won't read all of this in the first 11 verses of Luke chapter 5, but Jesus asked if he could use one of their boats, and they, he gets in the boat, and he teaches the crowd from the boat, and when he stops speaking in verse number 4, he said to Simon Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered and said to him, verse 5, Master, we have toiled all night, we've caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, we will let down the net. Fishing then was not like fishing today. It was heavy work. They used big nets with heavy weights in them cast them into the sea. These men were physically tired. They had fished all night and caught nothing. How many of your ladies, that's your husband's story when he comes home? He's been fishing and caught nothing. You've heard the joke, haven't you, about the, really wasn't a joke. Woman went to the mall and husband stayed home on Sunday, Saturday afternoon and watched football. She was gone all afternoon. She came home with not one thing. He said, I don't understand how you can go, go to a mall and spend six hours Spend six hours, spend no money, and come home with nothing and call it shopping. She said the same way you go to the woods with a gun and spend all day and come home with nothing and you call it hunting. It's just the same thing. Caught nothing. Jesus said, cast your nets out. Peter said, nevertheless, at your word, we will do so. I want to ask somebody this morning, is there some place in your heart the Lord has given you a nevertheless challenge? He's trying to stretch you a little bit. He's wanting you to do something, to move a particular direction. And you might be at that point, you're like those Israelites. We saw, but we can't. And you saw, and you don't see how it can be possible, 
but yet you know it's this tug of God pulling you this direction. Can you say that though I don't understand it, though I can't figure it out, Lord, nevertheless, at your word I will. To win that battle, there's three things you have to conquer. Three things that you have to overcome. The first one is you have to conquer the battle of surrender. Who are you surrendered to? Who is the master and the Lord of your life? It's one thing for Jesus to be your Savior. How many of you are glad you know your name's written in the book of life and you're going to heaven when you die? Aren't you grateful that you know that? But the plan of God is that while you're sojourning on this earth, that you don't live your life with the attitude, I've got a knot tied in the end of the rope and I hope I can just hold out to the end. His desire is for you to have an abundant, blessed, and full life on this earth. But for that to happen, we have to handle the nevertheless experiences of life in the right way. Because everything on the human natural side will scream at us a different way. And the easiest way to win that battle is to start with the place of surrender. The very first word out of the mouth of Simon Peter was, Master. He was not just talking to somebody. He's saying master. They didn't know yet he was the son of God and going to rise from the dead, but they lived with the hope because he'd already worked some miracles. He's come to establish the kingdom of heaven on the earth. And Simon Peter is already answering that struggle within his own heart. Who's going to be the master and the Lord of my life? If you've named Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you're going to have that struggle and you will have moments in your life where you have to answer that question, whom will I serve and who is my master and who is my Lord? I had one of those when I was 18 years of age. I was a freshman in college, started college at 17, and in my second semester of my freshman year, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I don't have time to tell the story. But I had, in, in a campus ministry setting, I had a very distinct God experience where I knew God was calling me to spend my life in full-time ministry, and he was calling me to preach the gospel. If you had known me the first 18 years of my life, you would not have expected that of me because the last thing I would ever do would be get in front of a group of people and speak. I'm not talking about on a stage in front of hundreds of people like today. I'm talking about in front of 10 people in a classroom. It petrified me. But I knew distinctly what happened. And when I knew God placed that call on me, I had a choice to make. And I ran hard. I'm not proud of it. But I ran from God for a little while. But eventually, I made the surrender and I said, okay. I knew he made it very plain where I was to go to Bible school for training. And it wasn't like a 12-month program. It was a four-year uh, college where you got a degree in biblical studies. He made it very plain that's where I was to go. I didn't want to go there. And by the time I went there, I did that. But I was not surrendered. I resisted. And I was miserable. I, I, I was totally miserable. Everything about the place, pardon the word, I hated it. I said the teachers are terrible. The food's lousy. The girls are ugly. There's nothing here. Nothing here. I wasn't dating my wife, Pam, at the time. She was dating a guy named John. And I was, I was just uh, living a monk life myself, trying to sort it out. And I was miserable for about five months. The most miserable person was my roommate, actually. I hated the place, but I can see it today, and it's been a few years ago. I was 18 years old. Well, actually, by that time, I'd turned 19, laying across a bed in the middle of winter in Missouri. And I surrendered to God, and I said, God, I don't know how I'll do it, but I will. I can't say my name without tangling my tongue, but I will do it. 
But one thing I don't want you to ever ask me to do, I don't want you to ever ask me to travel like these evangelists do. I'm going to go somewhere and just plant. And you know what I did? I closed the door all over again because that was the plan of God for my life. And eventually I made that surrender. And I said, God, I, whatever you want me to do, I will trust you. I don't know how. I don't know how I'll eat, how I'll live, but I will. Did you know what happened on that campus? Miracles began to take place. The campus looked nicer. The teachers were brilliant. The food was decent. <laughs> Wasn't quite a miracle. The girls started looking prettier. Everything around me changed. You know why? Because the change didn't take place out here. The change takes place in here. And I'm going to say to you, if you're miserable in your Christian walk, God doesn't want you to live miserable. This is not in my notes, but I'm talking to somebody right now. Look in your heart and ask yourself, have I made that surrender? Have I had the nevertheless moment where I said, God, I don't know how I can do the things you're asking me to do, but nevertheless, at your word, I will do it. And you can read the rest of the story yourself. These men were commercial fishermen. So they said, nevertheless, well, did you know what went through their mind? The second battle that you'll have to fight. When you're having a nevertheless opportunity, and that'll be the battle of human reason. You'll have to win the struggle of human reason, especially in the world we live in today. In the technology age of everything social media, everybody's going to show you every other way and every other how to do it, that it might be that God has a way that you haven't seen anybody else do it. You know why? Because his ways are unsearchable. They're past finding out. God's forgotten ways that we have never even thought of. But you will have to get to the place where you surrender your human reasoning to God to win that battle. You'll have to simply say, it doesn't make sense, but nevertheless. You see, Simon Peter did that. He's a commercial fisherman. He could have easily thought, well, carpenter, what do you know about fishing? You don't know anything about fishing. I know about fishing. And I know I fished all night. They're not biting today. There's no fish around here. But nevertheless, I will. You know why that was important? These men that Jesus was talking to had two basic needs in their life. And everybody under the sound of my voice has these two needs. They had the need to eat. They needed a job. They needed God's provision in their life. But they also, so they were commercial fishermen. They caught two boatloads full of fish when they obeyed the Lord. Their physical need was met. But they also had the need of seeing God working in their life. And every person under the sound of my voice, you need to see God at work in your life. And the only way you ever really recognize it's Him working is when you make the surrender to Him, give the Lordship to Him, and then when he pulls you a certain direction, you say, Lord, even though this doesn't make sense to me, it doesn't, it doesn't compute. I'm going to take you at your word. That's why Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. One translation says, lean not on your own human reasoning. Can I get down where it hurts a little bit? You'll have to have that on the concept of tithing. Because any third grader can come to a math class and tell you 90% is not as much as 100%. But yet we get over here in the scripture and we see the Lord teaching us, honor me with the first tenth, the first fruit of your increase. And math tells us that leaves me with 90%. And 90% is not as much as 100%. 
If you stay simply in the camp of human reason, you will never see the miraculous hand of God at work. But I can promise you this church is full of people who have decided I'm going to take that nevertheless step. Although I don't see how I can do it because I got these bills to pay, I'm going to test you. I'm going to try it, God. And I want to bring you the first tenth. And I promise you this church is full of people that would testify today. Somehow my God is able to take a natural 90% and make it go further than 100% when I honor him first. Are there any of those people in this crowd this morning? But it took that nevertheless step, did it not? Because it does not compute in human reasoning. But when we lay the human reasoning aside, that is when we put ourselves in the territory of the miraculous. In the early 1990s, I began going into the former Soviet Union and preaching crusades, and then God spoke to me in 1993 to move my family there, and we ended up moving to Kiev, Ukraine. And we still have a ministry base there today, but when we moved there, it was pretty rough. It was pretty primitive. And so in the summer of 1994, we had made our plan to move in August. And I went over to speak at a, a conference in Ukraine. And the plan was that when the conference ended, I was going to spend two or three days looking for an apartment for our family. And I got a guy to help me. And in Ukraine, the apartments in that day was just basically concrete walls. You had to go buy your kitchen cabinets and everything. And I told the guy, I said, we need to have a three-bedroom apartment because I have a son and a daughter and we're small and they will homeschool. So we need three bedrooms. He said, going to be hard to find. I said, there aren't many of those in our, our city because they've not been built by the Soviets through all these years. And I said, well, look as hard as you can. And he found one. And so I didn't even think I had to go look at it because I knew how hard it would be to find and that's what we needed. And I'm getting ready to fly back to America the next day, get our family, pack up, and moved to Kiev. The plan was with my wife, you find the apartment. He drives me there, and as we pull up in front of that apartment, I can see it like it happened this morning. As we pulled up in front of that apartment, I hear the Lord say to me, wait. In my mind, I've already signed the contract. And I knew it was God saying to me, wait. You say, how you know it was God? Because I wouldn't have thought of that in a million years. I'm going to get on a plane, fly back to America, pack up my wife and two kids, and fly them to this foreign country. you got to have a place to sleep. And the Lord said, wait. And I knew waiting didn't compute because this was before Al Gore invented the Internet. I couldn't go back home and look online and pick an apartment. You had to pick it right then. Showed my age right there, didn't I? On the Al Gore thing. I walked in that apartment. It was beautiful. It even had two bathrooms. Nobody had two bathrooms in Kiev, Ukraine. I thought my wife would love this if she's going to live here. <laughs> And the Lord said, wait. I looked at the realtor and I said, I'm sorry, I can't sign this. He wasn't very happy because he'd looked hard. I said, I'm sorry. He said, you're leaving tomorrow. I can't find you another one. I said, I know, but I can't. I got on that plane, flew back home. My wife said, you find the apartment? I said, yeah, I found one. She said, where is it? I said, not where we're living. Now, I don't know about your wife. My wife's Italian. Italians can get pretty spicy. <clears throat> And I love that. But right then I didn't love it. And to be honest with you, I was a little embarrassed to stand before people and say, you're going to move your family over there with no apartment? But I knew in here, you see, it's that nevertheless moment. Nevertheless, I'm talking to somebody today. It might be online. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I know as well as I know my name's Jim King. God told me to change what I thought I was going to speak on and to talk to somebody today. You're right at that crossroads, but when you take that steps, when you see 
God at work. Where did our faith go in all of this? Where did our faith in God go in all of this? I've been amazed. I've been a pastor in ministry a long time. I've been amazed at the fear I see in the hearts of people. I'm not talking about caution. I'm not about talking about common sense. I've washed my hands more than six, the past six months than I have in my whole life. I get that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about I can use sense and protect myself, but I do not have to live with fear. Fear keeps us on the backside of the miraculous. You see, these guys on the shore, they feared looking stupid. <laughs> Nevertheless, Lord, if that's what you say to do, we will do. So we got a plan. I had to get a plan. The plan became my parents were going to fly to Ukraine with us and spend two weeks to help us get situated because it already explained how we had to get our own kitchen cabinets, all this other stuff, blah, blah, blah. And actually, I went over three days before them. They're coming. I have to find an apartment within three days. First day, nothing. But the second day, the guy called me and said, I found another one. I said, let's go look at it. He said, it's not in quite as a good location as before, but he said, it's, it's pretty good. He said, I haven't seen it. Let's go look. I walked into that place. It was beautiful. It was much more, by their standards at that time, much more spacious and half the price. Can everybody say half the price? Oh, come on. Can you say half the price? You love it when your wife says she spent $50 on those shoes instead of $150, right? I know that's a third of the price. But you see, that's what God was wanting to do all along. But I had to get beyond the wall of human reason. Wherever it is right now that human reason is talking you out of it, don't let that voice scream more loudly in your ear than the voice of what God says. You know, the setup to that was prior to going we didn't have a lot of monthly supporters or anything like we have now, like this church. We didn't know how we were going to live. I didn't know how much money we were going to need. So we were going to go for about three and a half months and then come home for Christmas. And so for the months before, I was traveling the country, preaching meetings and churches, and offerings would be received, and I was saving, rat-holing that money and saving it. And we had a friend that worked for a ministry, pretty much an internationally known ministry. If I called the name, a lot of you would recognize it. She said, we're having a banquet. Would you guys come? We didn't want to go. We didn't even personally know the man. We had no interest in going, but we did it to honor our friend. I'm sitting in the back of that small banquet hall where they had this banquet in Tulsa. And at the end, they received an offering for this international ministry. And it was in Russia. And God was moving us to Ukraine, former Soviet Union. And the voice of the Lord, I hear him say to me, give him $10,000. And I said, and get thee behind me, Satan. Well, about you, that might not be much. That was a lot to me. <laughs> but I knew it was God. You say, how'd you know it was God? Because I wouldn't have thought of that in a minute. I'd give him $10, but not $10,000. Nevertheless, moment. And so I responded, and I wrote a check. Did the one and the comma, and three zeros. How many knows one zero makes a lot of difference in a check? I wrote a check for 1000 not 10000 I had $10,000. But it was in a savings account. We were going to live on that in Ukraine because in just a few months we were going to move and have that experience I just described. But it wouldn't go away. I went home miserable. Almost went home mad. Went to bed miserable. And as I awakened the next morning, just in that fog of awakening, I hear the voice of the Lord say to me, well, you're going to give him the rest? And I had to call him and get the address and drove it to him 
another $9,000. Do you know we never missed the $10,000? We've never suffered. We've never starved. We found a half-price apartment, and on and on I could go. You know why? Because on the other side of your obedience, of your nevertheless moment, there's a God waiting to display his power in your life. Lay aside your human reason. And let me close by saying you'll have to just win the war of trust. That's a word that's just thrown around a lot, but there'll be a span of time between you. Okay, God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take my step. And in that window, when you see God at work, there'll be a little span of time where you'll have to just trust him and rely on the promise. Again, those Israelites went in, and they said, we saw and we can't. God wants to say, I see and I can because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Trust, Ernest Hemingway put it the best, and that's not even Bible in case you didn't know it. He said the best way to find out if you trust someone is just trust them. Just make up your mind, I'm going to trust them. I remember when the orphanage, I showed you a picture of, we didn't have any money, but we thought God told us to do it. No money for that. And money began to come. The old building was dilapidated. It's going to take a lot of money. It's going to take close to $100,000 to put a heating system in it because the city didn't have a gas line big enough to run it. And we didn't have it. We didn't know that at first. And we got the building entirely renovated and we're basically out of money. And we put in this high dollar heating system and it didn't work because the gas line was too small to run it. And the city said, well, and this was part of the 100,000. They said, it'll take 60 to $80,000 to get a line run across the city just, just to run that thing, to heat that for those kids. I was livid. And long story short, I went to a church to speak at, and they had a Sunday night service, and the pastor just said before Sunday night service, he said, why don't you just tell them a little bit about that orphanage that you're starting? And so I did and went on. Went out in the parking lot to eat, uh, to a restaurant to eat in a dark parking lot. Several people in the church in that restaurant. I got out in the parking lot in the dark, and a man hollers my name, and I walk across the parking lot in the dark, and he said, hey, you mentioned that orphanage. Well, what's the deal you said about the heat? The heat don't work, and I told him, and I told him what they'd told us, <clears throat> what it would require, and that was it. He said, okay, thanks. Got in his car and drove home. A week later, went to the mailbox, and there was a check. It was a little handwritten note. I could barely read it. It was just like hen scratch. And it said, I don't usually do stuff like this, but I can't get away from it. Hope you get everything you need. And a check for $100,000. Does that happen to you every day? It don't happen to me every day. But there was something God wanted us to do. I didn't see how we could do it. And guess what? We could not do it. You hearing what I'm saying? We could not do it. But God can. Somebody said faith is stepping out on nothing and landing on something. And I'm asking you in closing this morning, we're going to pray in just a moment, but can you make the surrender and say, I don't want you just as my Savior. I want you to be the Lord of my life on a daily basis. Because I have two needs in my life. I need to live and supply for my family and provide. And secondly, I need to see God at work in my life. I believe in the days ahead. We're living in dicey times. I believe the church is going to see the most miraculous things that's ever seen in its history in the days to come. I do not believe the best days are behind God's church. I believe the best days are in front of God's church. But it's going to take a people. It's going to take a people that will come out here and say, nevertheless, Lord, this is my part. And I'm going to do it. Let me close with this thought. It comes to my mind. It came to my mind yesterday. We were talking about grandparents and talking about uh, situations. For some reason, I told Pastor 
Gary and Pastor Ann about my great-grandmother, whom I was very close to, her death. I was with her, and it was one of the most remarkable experiences of my life uh, as I was with her. And I won't go into that story, but my great-grandma raised my dad, basically, and so he was very close to her. And my, my great-grandma had uh, five brothers and one sister. At this point, all her brothers had died, and she had one sister left, an older sister. Actually, she lived to the age of 105. I preached her funeral at the age of 105. She was a very godly woman. We called her. Her name was Arta. We called her Aunt Art. When my grandma died, I got in my car and went and got my dad. I said, well, Granny just passed away. And he said, we need to go tell Aunt Art. Now, she's just been told as we stood there at her front door, she was legally blind but yet living alone. She knew her way through her house, and she would not go to assisted living, and her mind was sharp as a tack, but she was legally blind. We knock on the door. She comes to the front door, and my dad said, Auntie, we just came to tell you that about an hour ago, Jimmy was with her, but Granny went to heaven. And she's just been told her last living sibling died. And she stood there for a moment and turned away from us, and we stepped right inside the door, and she started pacing through her living room and her dining room. Like I said, she was legally blind, but she knew where everything was. And for a moment, she didn't say anything. And then, all of a sudden, she just says, with as strong a voice as she could get, and at that point, she was in her early 90s, she's just been told her last living sibling died, and her words were, thank God for the blood of Jesus. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. When she first said that, and I'm a Bible school graduate, so I embraced the Bible. But I thought, that's odd. You've just been told your sister died. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. But after about three of those, I had a whole different attitude because it dawned on me. My sister was in a lot of pain and agony, but because of the blood of Jesus, she is no longer in that hospital. She's no longer in physical pain. But because of the blood of Jesus, she's not encapsulated in that old body that was torturing her. She's now healthy and whole and with the Lord. Because of the blood of Jesus, my sister is not in hell right now. My sister is in heaven right now and will live eternally because there's power, wonder-working power in the blood of Jesus. How many of you believe there's that kind of power in the blood of Jesus where you can have that confidence? That's because you know, don't you, that your name's written. You're covered by the blood of Jesus. You know that you're going to heaven because of the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. But may I ask you how you know? Who told you? Pastor Gary, he doesn't have the authority to make that judgment. Only God. But the moment you opened your heart and said, you know, that really don't make a whole lot of sense. That somebody died 2,000 years ago and his blood was shed for me. But I choose to believe my nevertheless moment. Lord, I may not understand all of that, but I do believe it. And the moment you say, Lord, I receive you into my life, the Bible says the Spirit of God begins to live in you. And the light comes on and he begins to reveal to you the assurance that your name is written there. And that's why you can clap. That's why that excited you about the power of the blood of Jesus because you know you've personally experienced it. You said, it may not make a whole lot of sense, but nevertheless, I believe it. There may be somebody here this morning, you're at that moment. May I pray with you? 
If you've never received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I ask that we bow our hearts, bow our heads in the presence of God. If you're watching online, I want to lead a prayer, and it's going to be two-parted, and I'm finished. One, I'm going to say, Lord, come into my life and become Savior, Master, and Lord. I repent of my sins. If that's you and you need to pray that prayer, it will not be because I pray it with you or someone else prays it with you. It will be simply because you believe and you're willing to say that to him and to open your heart to him. And I promise you, he will come in. And from this day forward, he will enlighten you. And this church will give you good direction about the next steps to take. And then we're going to pray, Lord, become Lord of my life. Not just my Savior and Lord, but everybody in this room, pray this out loud with me, please. Every person, if you're watching online, pray it with me. Heavenly Father, come on, say it. Heavenly Father, I believe you sent your son Jesus to die for me. I believe his shed blood paid the price for my sins. I confess my sins to you and I receive your sacrifice as payment for my sins. I confess Jesus Christ as my Savior and I ask you to become the Lord of my life. I surrender my will to you and I say, Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, take charge. Become Lord of everything in my life. I thank you today for peace and assurance. My name's written in the book of life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Would you give him praise this morning? Thank you for letting Pam and I be with you. I love you. Hey, can we thank Jim King for that message this morning? That was fantastic. Just a couple more things that I want to share with everybody very quickly, and we'll be done here in just a few minutes. First and foremost, I know that there are people here in the room and watching online that you made a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you made that decision for the very first time. Maybe today you made a decision to recommit your life life to Christ. I want to just give you some really important instructions. And as we're here in the room, I want to ask everybody out of respect for everybody around you, just hang tight till the end of service here in just a few moments, because this is a really important moment. Today, if you did make that decision, we just want to help you take your next steps in this journey of faith in your walk with God. And we want to give you a free gift. It's a simple tool to help you start this. It's called The Next Seven Days. It's a small book. We just want to put it in your hand to help you get started over these next few days in this journey with God. There's a couple of different ways that you can get it if you made this decision today. Right after our service, we're going to have prayer teams here in the room. They're going to be up against each one of these walls down on the floor. You can walk up to one of these prayer teams. If you need prayer, they're here to pray with you, to encourage you, to stand with you. But if you made that decision today to start this relationship with God. Just let them know I made that decision and you want to get the book. They'll give it to you. We don't need anything from you, but we're here to help in any way that we can. We're available to just to pray with you and encourage you if you made that decision today. If you need to go quickly right after the service, please stop by the next seven days desk. It's in the middle of the glass doors before you exit the building. Our team will be there as well to help you. Just let them know you made a decision and you want to get the book. They'll give it to you. Again, we don't need anything from you, but we're here to help in any way. We're available to help in any way that we can. We're so glad you made that decision. If you made that decision today and you're watching online, just go to our website and click on the connect tab. There's a connect card there. You can just check that box that says, I made a decision to follow Christ. We'll get your info and send you the next seven days. You can also direct message us on any of our social media platforms with the words next seven. We'll get back in touch with you and get you the next seven days because we want to help you start your walk with God. Hey, as a family, as a church family, as people that have made that decision at some point in our lives, can we just put our hands together this morning and welcome people into the family of God today? All right, I had something else, but I think Pastor Gary wants to share something right now. (laughs)
Stay here, Zach. I, you know what? I can't get away from this. I cannot. Jim, your message today, I know, is speaking to a lot of people. But as pastor, I just simply want to say this today. Somebody's hearing this right now. And you're at a moment in your life where you're about to go forward or you're about to go backwards. Israel said, nevertheless, we can't go forward. And they died in the wilderness. Peter said, hasn't worked all night, but I'll try it now. And he went forward and became a world changer. Somebody here today, God is talking to you about your destiny. You're about to go forward or backward. It's a nevertheless moment. And I don't know who it is, but you know right now because the Holy Spirit is talking to you so strongly. I want to encourage you today. Swallow hard. Put your trust in Jesus and say, nevertheless, I'm going forward. Amen. God bless you. Amen. And just like those great testimony stories that Jim shared this morning, I believe that there's great testimonies on the other side of the decisions that we will make today. Anybody believe that? Amen. Hey, just a couple more things before we go today. I just want to take a moment as a church collectively, and we're going to honor the Lord by bringing our tithes and our offerings into his house. And there's a few different ways that we can give up on the screen, but I really feel like it's important to say first and foremost that the reason we do this is to honor God, to worship him, and to thank him for his provision and for his goodness in our lives. So thank you so much, church, for your generosity. Everybody here individually who's made that decision to put God first when it comes to your finances, thank you so much for doing that because together we're seeing the gospel go forth here in the valley through our partnerships around the world, which include everything that Jim shared this morning. We are so, so grateful for your generosity that enables us to do this. Um, We've said this here from the platform before, but even in a challenging and difficult year, we have seen our missions giving go up and increase this year in ways that we know we are being an even greater blessing during this difficult year and difficult season. And we know that that is because of a faithful God and because of faithful people. So thank you so much for giving. If you'd like to give in person today at the end of service as you exit, if you brought a check or you have an envelope or something that you'd like to give, there are giving stations on either side of these first exit doors when you leave the auditorium. You can also stop by over by the kids' check-in. There's a giving station there as well. We just want to give you the opportunity to give there if you'd like to give in person this morning. But again, thank you so much. However you're giving, if you're giving online, thank you so much for your generosity. We are incredibly grateful. You know, last week and then in church news, we talked about all of our efforts this Thanksgiving to help people who are in need through our community care program. We have people that you you brought groceries today for Thanksgiving meals and you've left them at the bumper of your car uh, there at at your vehicle. Thank you so much for your generosity in bringing those. Our team is collecting those as you came and brought those today and we know that we're already receiving. I got a report this morning that uh, we actually had um, one organization that donated 125 turkeys for our Thanksgiving distribution this year. How cool is that? It's amazing. So if you'd like to play a part, there's always a big need at Thanksgiving time. Just stop by the community care table. It's on the left-hand side as you exit before you go out the glass doors today. So thank you so much. Find out all the info there, and our team will give you the things that you need to know if you want to bless somebody. Have you enjoyed being in church this morning? Amen. We love you. Have a great Sunday and a fantastic week. We will see you very, very soon.